Okay. Hey, don't this sound good? Yeah, I was jamming over there. I was kind of jamming there. In my own weird way, you know. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll stop right there. Can you hear me? Okay. Hey, uh, these, are, these are sobering days, aren't they? I don't know about you, I feel like something is kind of like, you know how you look at a clock and just the, 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 the long hand kind of makes a, a, how do you call it? It progresses, right? It's just like we're progressing in time and it's, uh, it's really an amazing day to be alive, isn't it? And just thinking about uh, where we are today and I want to talk maybe for just a few minutes about comfort and uh, but do you sense kind of we've taken a step forward in in uh, in these end days have you sensed that hello yeah yeah because um, you know maybe in my world you know we've been working with the Ukraine through greater grace for the last 30 years we used to live there my wife and I and watching the demonstration of evil is like heartbreaking, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. And uh, we're going to be taking a trip to Poland tomorrow and uh, just cover your prayers. And think about it, a million five refugees in Poland. That's like, that's an incredible number. And these are things that are hard to process. But I just think what a great opportunity to uh, share the gospel. Amen. I mean, do we have the answers to to everything? We we don't, right? We don't. But uh, we just sang about the answer. Amen. It's Christ. It's Christ, right? We can bring over medical supplies. We can bring over all kinds of like aid and and uh, kind of like in so many wor- words, try to save the day. But really, uh, God God is in this mess, isn't it? Good. He really is. So, Father, bless these few words to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you want to turn with me just briefly, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I was thinking about comfort, and not in the way of like my easy chair, my lazy boy, not that type of comfort, which is great for like, uh, you know, times of rest. We need that time of recreation. Amen. How, how How many of us need more of that? I mean, all of our hands are up. Both hands are up. But then there's a spiritual comfort where God shows us a reality of how he is present. Okay, This is how we really experience comfort in our lives. It's an interior, it's an inner comfort. And with the details of life overseas, the details of life nationally in our own families, day to day, there can be a spirit of heaviness that can creep in. Can it? It can. In Isaiah 61, it talks about how we can be heavy. And God says, I have, I have not called you to have a spirit of heaviness, but I've, I have a garment of praise for your life. And we just experienced that, uh, where we can just lift our hands and say, God, you are in it. And not only are you in it, but you are going to get us through it. Amen? So... When we think about comfort today, I want to just a couple points just to encourage our hearts that if I'm seeking an answer to my problem, that's not where my comfort's going to come from. Isn't that good? I want to get your attention with that for a minute. We're always looking for answers. We're always looking to get through. I just hope this thing would end so I can just get through. 
God has comfort for you and I in our situations, like right in the thick of the, of the mess. Like Psalm 23 says, I have prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. Not, not far from your enemies. I mean, right in the midst of your enemy, God says, I have prepared a table for you. And the food and the provisions of God give you strength in the battle, like we just heard so beautifully. So one writer says, do not pray for an easy life, but pray for strength when times get tough. And I feel like we may be, uh, we may have crossed the line where things may get interesting quick. But you know what's amazing? We're going to see a manifestation of God far greater than the manifestation of evil that we're seeing today. And as Christians, we initiate comfort, right? Isaiah 40 says, speak comfort to my people. Like, speak over my people comfort. And when we open our Bibles, isn't it true? We have comfort. We are our soul is restored, our joy is restored, our perspective is clear, and we have strength. It's, you know, David in Psalm 23 was not drinking iced tea and enjoying life when he wrote Psalm 23. I mean, he had everything falling apart, and he found God. God shepherded him. God shepherded him. All right, look with me, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. And, and this is what Frederick... Greater Grace Frederick is about. This is what Pastor Dennis is about. This is what we're all about. Is This is a place of refuge. This is a place of refuge. The church is a place of refuge uh, where we learn Christ. But it says, Blessed in verse 3 be the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Did you see that? That's interesting, isn't it? How do we comfort others? It's we receive it from God first. If I'm not receiving from God first, how am I going to comfort others? Well, I might be able to sympathize with others. I might be able to have empathy. But God is saying, my comfort is my ministry to you that goes out to others. So this is why we're here at church today, right? To be comforted, but then also to have a ministry of comfort. Think about that. We've been talking with our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, and it is amazing the strength they have in a very difficult situation, uh, a supernatural situation. And it is, it is more than just willpower, right? <laughs> it is something where the Holy Spirit literally carries you through something, right? It's, uh, it's very powerful. He goes on to say here, uh, it says, uh, okay, with the comfort that we have comforted by ourselves by God, for as the suffering of Christ abounds in us, so our consolation abounds through Christ. That means as we go through difficulties, uh, and it can be a myriad of things, loss of job, loss of health, loss of a family member, maybe a broken relationship, God is saying, I'm going to show up in your reality. And I'm going to love you. I'm going to show you how mighty I am. I'm going to give you a promise that will never fail you. Here's a good verse. Can I give you a memory verse today? How many want a memory verse? 1 Kings 8.56. 1 Kings 8.56. You ready? 1 Kings 8.56. Not one good word of God will ever fail you. Not one word. 
My word won't even, won't even last for the first row here. God says, I'm, my word will never fail you. Never fail you. And this is why, Christ, as, as we are Christians of content, we have a message in difficult times. Amen? And I'm encouraged. We've been praying for Europe. Europe's been dead for a lot of years spiritually. And I think through this catastrophe that God could revive Europe. Amen? How many would believe God for that? Yes. Like sometimes we God breaks up the fallow ground to get our attention because we're, we're too comfortable in the wrong sense. God says, I will comfort you in the fire. I will comfort you as you find me in the fire. Well, let me show you a fun verse and I'll close. Look at Psalm 56. I love the Bible, right? Like, how many of you, after a hard day, crawl in your bed and you're, you wrap the comforter around you and you just like, oh, you just finally relax, right? You're just relaxed, right? Or maybe after a big meal, you've been hungry all day and you eat all kinds of comfort food, macaroni and cheese, right? With three pounds of cheese on there, right? Good artery clogger, right? Die with a smile on our face. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's the same prayer. God says, I have given you comfort on every side. Here's another good verse. 1 Kings 5, 4. I have given you comfort on every side. It's amazing. I am with you. I am for you. I am greater than anything you're going to face. I am with you. Think about it. The God of the universe is with you and me. Never will fail us. Now, he'll never lie to us. Well, last verse. This, is a, this verse has really been ministering to me personally um, and, uh, and just shows you how personal our God is. It says, 56, 8, it says, You number my wanderings. <laughs> Isn't that good? God, God writes it down how much we've checked out or kind of gone, gone away, but he does that so he can bring us back, obviously. And then he writes this, You've put my tears in your bottle. How many tears have we cried over our lifetime, right? A lot, right? By the way, real men cry, by the way, right? I'm not going to demonstrate that today, but, but guys have trouble crying, and, and, and there's an issue with that that it's beautiful. Tears are beautiful to God when it's of God. Uh, are they not in your book? So when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. And this I know because God is for me. Let's just say those four words. God is for me. Let's say it with a little bit more. Uh. Ready? God is for me. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that comforting? It's Because it, people may not get you or get me or... Maybe we're disappointed, or maybe we're just our. God says, I know your thought, your thoughts are far off. I know you. Why? Because God is for me, and I will praise his word, and the Lord will I praise his word. So, just to comfort our hearts today, you're in the right place, amen? No matter where you are today, uh, or what's going on, your situations are meant to build you. Your situations are made to strengthen you. Your situations are made to bring you to God. Amen? Because we can't do it alone. Amen? And God really understands and cares. 
And he, he's there to comfort us so that, here, this is the reason, ready? So that we have a ministry in our trouble, right? We have a ministry in our trouble. Sometimes, sometimes we, it's easy to get inward and kind of say, oh, you know, woe is me, and this is what's going on, and this is the drama. And, but then God is like saying, oh, no, no, let me comfort you. Let me show you my reality that, you're, that I'm with you so that you can minister to others. You can minister. To, you can have a word to others. And that's my prayer today as we get ready to hear the word that God would give you a word of comfort so that we don't back off or give in or have some reason to be distant from God. But today, just like we heard so beautifully in worship, we're falling on the hands of God. We are surrendering in this sense so that we can let go of self and receive all of what God has prepared for us. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, thank you today. We worship you, and thank you that you have, you have called us to yourself. That's really our greatest mission is to, be, is to discover you, to find you, to worship you, to reveal you in these great days. And uh, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine today uh, that you'd bring a quick end to this, this war and that you'd protect supernaturally your people confuse, confuse the enemy, and may many people turn to you, Lord. That's our prayer, that many would turn to righteousness, and we just give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. And why don't we uh, stand up and uh, go to somebody and say, God is for you. You don't have to go too far if you don't want to. God's for you, Gary. Send me Rania. God's for you. tells you. <laughs> okay, uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you for everybody that's here. We thank you for this fellowship. We thank you for the praise. The battle is yours, Lord, and we surrender and we come to the one who is comforting us. Lord, and we thank you that in the eyes of God, we are valued. Wow, we are valued. No matter what our situation brings us, no matter where we stand, we are valued by God. And we can stand here and say that I am loved by God. I am loved by God. Just continue to minister to us. You already have, and if we were to leave right now, we could go very full. But we just pray these last few words that they would meet some of our spiritual needs.
In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Turn into a couple verses. Let's actually start. I want to start at the end of my message. And then we'll jump to the front and then, you know, hopefully we'll end eventually. <laughs> We're going to test Adam and Anasaja, see how long they can keep the kids busy. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Starting in verse 26 all the way through 31, it says, Therefore, do not fear them. And the story behind this is uh, that Jesus is sending out the 12 disciples and a few others to go on their first missions trip. Right? Could you uh, imagine uh, being with Jesus, uh, seeing all these amazing things happening, then all of a sudden Jesus says, All right, now it's your turn. Go and do something. Go and perform good works. Go and do miracles. Just go. And I'm going to stay here, and you're going to go by yourself. Interesting, right? And then I love verse 26. Is Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in dark, speak in light, and whatever you hear uh, in the ear, preach in the housetops. In verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather feel, uh, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for one copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very hairs on your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Isn't that good? It goes with what Pastor Jason is saying. In our life, there are many things, and this word uh, here is being used over and over and over again, and it's that word fear. And what does fear render in our life? You know, we're going to get there in a few minutes. But when fear enters our life, uh, in our natural life, we have a coping mechanism to deal with fear. And is our coping mechanism spiritually or is it natural? Like Pastor Jason was saying, when something comes at me, is my response to run to my lazy boy in my comfort blanket and I sit there and say, oh, I'm so warm and cozy. Right? Thank you, God, with my bowl of ice cream, my tub of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that how we cope with fear? And I'm not making fun if you do that, do that by the way. <laughs> because that's not the point. Because... There are things that, you know, that can happen, but there are things that are real. There are real fears in our life, and how we respond to them are very important. Now let's go back to the beginning of the message. First Chronicle, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 19. Now here is the king Jehoshaphat, and he has instituted a reformation. Um, I'm drawing a blank now. Is it in... 20. Well, in 19... He institutes a reformation, right? And, and he is in Israel or Judah. I always get it mixed up. Judah. Judah. King Judah. Yeah, King of Judah. Thank you. My son would have known that question. <laughs> That's about how far he's in Second Chronicles right now in his homeschool program. Um, 
But he is the king of Judah, and previously they have worshipped idols. There have been idolatry throughout the nations. There have been groves or, or places of uh, idol worship set up throughout Israel. And when Jehoshaphat comes in, he tears those down. But he doesn't go quite far enough. So starting in verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. He returned safely from a war, a battle. And Jehu, the son of Hanai, the seer, went to meet him and said, Help the wicked. Uh, should you help the wicked and love those that hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. So Jehoshaphat has instituted reform already by tearing down these places of idol worship. He goes to war with another king who is a wicked king who doesn't believe in, in God. And they are successful in their war. Then he comes home and then a prophet says to him, Why did you go to war with somebody on your side who doesn't even honor the Lord? And he says, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. And look at what, this is amazing. This provokes Jehoshaphat to an even deeper reform in his, in his country. And he does these um, three things. Number one, in verse four, it says, Jehoshaphat lived at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. See here, Jehoshaphat is beginning to institute something in Israel, and he's reforming them, and he's bringing them back to God. Yes, those places of idolatry were torn down, but they still did not worship God. Verse 6, it says, And the judges, and he said to the judges, Consider what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord. He is with you in giving judgment. Verse 7. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no justice with the Lord. There is no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking bribes. You know, so he brings people back to God. He is reinstituting justice. He's reestablishing justice. And then in verse 8, he institutes right worship. Moreover, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat appointed certain Levites and priests, the heads of families of, Jer of Israel, to give judgment for the Lord and decide dispute cases. They have their seats at Jerusalem. And he charged them, Thus you shall do, I love this, in the fear of the Lord, in faithfulness, and with your whole hearts. See, when, when justice was established, that is a, the, just, the, law, the justice law in the community, if somebody does something wrong. But there's a difference here. When he establishes right worship, it seems like the Levites are also making um, justice declarations, right? But actually, they're making justice declarations concerning the law of sacrifices. Meaning, like now when we come and we worship and we sacrifice to God, there is a right way to do it. So he begins to do all these things. He begins to reinstitute 
right worship. He begins to reestablish justice and he brings people back to God. I love that. I mean, I look at our own lives and forget about our country because we can point our fingers at our country and other countries. But we can look at our own lives and we can say, Lord, we need to be brought back to you. Right? And I, I think here I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys have a good walk with God. I, I believe that. But there are areas in our life that are, we, we are withholding things from God and we need to bring it to God. There are areas in our life where we need to establish justice. There is areas in our life that we need to establish uh, right worship. Now imagine that you did all these things and you come before God and what would your attitude be? I mean, in some sense, you would kind of stand there, and not in a negative way, but there'd be pride in your life, right? Like, God, I, I am back. I am here. I am with you. I'm in your presence. We are doing all, this, all these good things. God, this is amazing, and you are amazing. You are awesome, God. Look at this. And we come, and we worship, and we have fellowship, and we leave church, and we're like, wow, that was awesome. That's how I feel almost every Sunday. You know, and you do these things, and you do these things, and God is real. God speaks to you, and God becomes more and more and more real in your life simply because, you know, starting in verse 4, we have been brought back to God. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, this is the interesting part because Jehoshaphat re-inst- or, or, or instituted uh, uh, spiritual reform. Because he has done this, you would expect that in his country, good things would happen, right? I mean, that's what we think. I I wrote this down. It says, all this change for good, and does God bring good, right? A lot of people uh, that are non-religious have this idea of, you know, good karma, bad karma, or instant karma. You know, you're good to somebody, and then they're good to you. You're bad to somebody, then... And 10 minutes later, you have a flat tire. That was karma, right? I mean, even the world has this idea that if you produce good, then good is going to happen. Is that what God does? No. <laughs> no, it's interesting. You know, we have this false premise in, our, in Christianity that I am right with God so that everything in my life is going to be right. And that is a false premise. There is no instant karma. There is no good karma or bad karma. If you do something good, it doesn't mean good is coming your way. If you do something bad, it doesn't mean bad is coming your way. There, you know, there, we have this false premise in our walks with God, in our church, in our nation, that if I am right with God, then my life is going to be right. But I'm here to tell you something very different. And here's the reason why. Because we have enemies. Right? Right? Who are our enemies? The devil. Okay, the devil is one of them. Two more. I'm hearing different things. The flesh, yes. And the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They are our enemies, right? What one of those things can I control? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of control my flesh, but it's still limited. Because there are still desires in my flesh that I cannot control. And all of a sudden, because here's the thing, is I could live my life right. Then all of a sudden these desires come out from nowhere. And 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 I'm trying to suppress them. So there are some of these things. I mean, 
I can control a little bit of the world system too, right? A little bit by turning the TV off, <laughs> by turning Facebook off, by turning, you know, by turning these things off. I can control some of these things very you know, limited. I can control some of these. But as a whole, these things are affecting me in my life. So because of these things, that I am in not in, I'm not in control of these things. I'm not in control of what the devil is doing in my life. I am not in control of what the world system and the system that the devil has put in place to distract me from God has put into place. I am not in control sometimes of what my flesh does. I, I beat it in subjection and I beat it into subjection and there are times that the flesh comes up again. One day when I am in heaven, the flesh will be eradicated. <laughs> but still, it is an enemy. And I am not in control of these things. And because I am not in control of these things, there's bad things that happen in my life. And that's where we get into Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 2. It says, After this, the Moabites and the Amorites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat's. For what? For battle. For battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, beyond the sea. And behold, they are in this country. <laughs> they are here. They are close. And their purpose is to come and do battle against you. Jehoshaphat could say, But Lord... I just reformed. <laughs> I made all these great decisions and we have been in your presence and I have begun to make changes in my life for things that are good. So how come all these things are bad are, are happening in my life? And the point that I'm trying to say is that in our life, there are things that, that are out of our control. And because of that, there are, there are battles in our life that we cannot control. There are battles in our life that we cannot control. But our response to these battles are the only thing that we can control. You know, I don't know what is happening in your life, but I know what's happening in my life. And I know that there are battles in my life that I, if I could control them, they would not be here. If it was because I didn't, you know, if I didn't pray enough, what would I do? I would pray more. If these battles were happening because I don't read my Bible enough, what would I do? I would read my Bible more. But it seems the closer I draw to God, the hotter the battle gets. You know, I love this idea, you know, and I think we've, we've mentioned it before in discussion that there are some things that we're not in control of. And the devil, if we are passive with God, the devil never has to even bother us because we don't affect his kingdom. But when we are involved in kingdom warfare, the devil is like, okay, you know, antennas up. Look at, look at Ron, look at, you know, Lissette, look at these people, look at Grace, look at Paul, look at these people, and they are involved in kingdom warfare, and the devil is like, okay, look at what they're doing, and you know what I'm going to do? The closer they draw to God, the hotter the battle is going to come, and I'm going to come after them, and I'm going to come after them, I'm going to come after them, and you know what? That multitude, it is going to be great. The things that come against us in our life can be great. But they're not greater than God. Yeah. 
I'm trying to find this verse. Where is it? Maybe we'll get there later. But let's uh, look. What was Jehoshaphat's response? Yeah. He prayed. He prayed. The whole nation fasted. The whole nation got on their knees. And what did they look to? They looked to God. See, whereas before, if they looked and they said, okay, well, God, you have given me strength, so now I am going to fight this battle. And the Old Testament is filled with stories where people go in and they fight a battle that God has told them that they're going to have the victory, and they win. Then they go back from the victory and they say, hey, look at what I have done. Then they go to the next battle, and what happens? They lose. Why did they lose? Was it because God wasn't strong? No. It was because of where they were looking. They weren't looking at God. So they went and they prayed. And I love another prophet comes in, in 2 Chronicles 20.15. And he said, Listen, all Judea, uh, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Be not afraid and be not dismayed. Stop right there. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. What is fear? Fear is the emotional or physical response to me being threatened with harm. Were they being threatened? Yes. Because, again, there is a great multitude. That means it was greater than their own army. Greater than their own ability to fight. Greater than their own comprehension. So the battle was coming against them, and that battle was great. So is fear reasonable? Yes. 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 But God is saying, do not fear. But we could say to God, but God, look at this. Like, I'm not being irrational here. Sometimes there are irrational fears. Am I afraid of sharks? Yes. Am I afraid of a picture of a shark? No, that's irrational. <laughs> you know, there are irrational and then there's rational fears. God, my fear is not irrational. I have good reason to fear right now. We could look at Ukraine and we could say, your fears are not irrational because there is a great battle against you. But it's the same thing with us in our spirits because we are simply humans. We are simply walking our life. We are working and we are trying to make a living and we are worshiping God during the week. I mean, our life in one sense is very simple. Then all of a sudden here comes a devil. Bam! <laughs> You know, what happened to the bank account? Oh, somebody took all the money out of it. Bam! What happened? Oh, my relationship is broken. Again, and again, and again, and again. And is there any end to sight? The answer is, I don't know, and it could happen. It could happen where bad thing happens after bad thing, after bad thing, after bad thing. But the message still remains the same. It is... Do not fear. Do not fear. And that word dismayed is interesting because it means, to be dismayed means that in our spirit, or for them here physically, it means that they are being broken down. 
when fear happens in our life, the immediate response is to be broken. When the devil comes in and attacks us and fear comes in, what happens? In our spirit, we are broken. Before, we were praising God, and then this problem comes, and we were kind of coming in, and our heart is heavy, and our hands are heavy, or our knuckles you know, start dragging on the ground. When the Lord has said we should be praising him, just like the song said, our battle is the Lord's. We lift our hands on high. We praise him. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Do not, be, do not have fear and do not be dismayed. If there is fear in our life or if we are dismayed, what can happen? Our coping mechanism runs to what? Self. Okay, I can't solve this problem. I go over here and I try to solve this. Oh, okay, well, God's not there, so I'm going to come over here and maybe God is going to make this a provision. And I'm so busy running from provision to provision to provision and looking for what God has for me when God says, that's not the solution. Because I am, I am looking at the solution as it being fulfilled by me. You know, just go get a new job, <laughs> right? If you've got a problem, go just go get a new one. God has given me hands to work. I can work hard and make money. Go, go get a new job if that's a problem. Well, maybe that's not what God has. And I love what the prophet says. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but it is God's. The battle is not yours, it is God's. You know what, if you guys don't believe in that statement, we could read in Exodus chapter 14 when Moses is before uh, the Red Sea and the Egyptians on the other side, and Moses said to the people, Exodus 14, 13 through 14, it says, Do not fear, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. I love that. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Stop complaining about the, the battle that is before you. Stop looking at the great multitude and complaining. Stop looking at that great horde and trying to solve your problems and talking with all your friends on how bad your life is. Shut up. Because the battle isn't yours and the salvation is going to come from God and he is going to fight. I love it. It says, for you. Amen. Nehemiah 4.18. It says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. I love this. Who is great and he is awesome. God is great and he is awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Do not be afraid of the multitude. Why? Because God is awesome. God is awesome in your life today. I don't care what happened before service. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. I don't care what happened before service because God is awesome. Why do I come here today? Because God is awesome. You know, I, I love it that you guys are here. And I hope that you guys receive something from the worship and from the messages and from the fellowship. And that you continue to grow with God. And I am here for you. Call anytime. 
But do you know what? At the end of the day, God is awesome. <laughs> and no matter what happens, if this place is full, God is awesome. If this place is empty, God is awesome. If you guys get mad at me and leave service today, man, that, that pastor is crazy. He, he did this, this, and this wrong. It doesn't matter because God is awesome. And you might be right, but God is awesome. You might be right, but God is awesome. One more. Hebrews 13, verse 6. Now we say confidently. There is confidence in what I'm saying now. And this is where I desire for you to get in your walk with God. That you can say in your life with confidence. Hebrews 13, verse 6. The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? He can't do anything. Why? Because God is awesome. So rewind to Matthew chapter 10. You know, talking about do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. He says do not fear. Verse 28. There is something we should fear, right? Yeah, that's what he's pointing to. He's saying we should point, we should fear God. We should fear God. But I love verse 31. He gives us a reason why we should not fear. What is the reason? Because we are valued. You have great value in your life. It doesn't matter what you do for work. You're still valued. It doesn't matter your spiritual state. You are still valued. It doesn't matter if you're leading worship or you're croaking in the back seat. <laughs> You're still valued. <laughs> Not looking at anybody, okay? <laughs> it doesn't matter. These things do not matter because I am valued by God. I am valued not because of what I do, but because of who God is. He is awesome. Now, I was thinking about this. Why can I say the battle belongs to the Lord? You know, in... in 2 Chronicles 19, verse 2, and actually, it, some scholars believe that battle in, verse, in chapter 20 is because he went to war and he co-labored with a wicked king. That's what some scholars say. So we could say the battle that is coming is a direct result of Jehoshaphat's bad decision. How many of us have battles in our life also because of our own decisions? Yeah, maybe 90% of them. <laughs> yeah, we make bad decisions and we have battles because of that. But do you know what? It still says the battle is the Lord's. Why is that? Why does the battle belong to God? And I was thinking about it this morning. The reason why that the battle belongs to God is because I belong to God. That's what, that's what Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 19 is saying. That we, Jehoshaphat is saying, we belong to you. We belong to you, God. And now because we belong to you, our battle belongs to you also. But do you know what? What would have happened if this reformation in, in Jehoshaphat's life never took place? Would the battle in chapter 20 belong to God? It's interesting. Sometimes in our life, we take ourselves out of the hands of God. I don't mean this in salvation. I mean this in our experience. You know, 
you know, sometimes the Lord is here and he's saying, come. And we run the other direction. And sometimes bad things happen because of that. And God is saying, I've been here and this is my battle. But in your experience, you think it's your battle. And God is saying, I'm right here and the battle belongs to me. Jehoshaphat, I'm right here. The battle belongs to me. You know, I love, what we can learn from this is that my coping mechanism or my response to fear directly affects the consequences of my battle. If, I, if, I, if, I, if my response to fear is to run away from God, that will affect the battle. I mean, that is why there are people who say they believe in God, but they're addicted to alcohol or drugs. But they believe in God. What is the difference? The difference is, is their response towards God. You know, in our life, if my response to fear is, in, is, is not running away, but running to God, then my experience is a faithfulness of God's awesomeness. You know, I, I want us to learn how to run to God. Don't respond on other ways. Don't respond in the flesh. Don't respond in the natural. Don't respond in these things. But run to God. Because the battle belongs to Him. Because we belong to Him. See, we are living in the new covenant. And what does that mean? That means that the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of us. So we belong to God. You belong to God because the Spirit of God is inside of you. That's it. You belong to God. And you know what? I can look at you and name by name and say, aren't you more valuable than a multitude of sparrows? <laughs> aren't you more valuable than a multitude of sparrows? The answer is yes. The answer is you are valuable and the awesomeness of God is waiting to be showered upon you today. Amen. So Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this message. And we pray that as Jehoshaphat, he did all these right things and yet there was a battle. And sometimes in our life we do wrong things and then there's a battle. But the point is, is that we belong to you, Lord. And we don't want to respond in fear. We want to respond in hope towards Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Lord, you are our hope, and we are facing a battle. I want to look to you, Lord, and say, this is yours. Take it. But do you want Jehoshaphat still warred, didn't he? You read the rest of the chapter, he still went to battle, and they were victorious. You know what? When we look to God, the battle is the Lord's. God takes our hands, and he teaches us how to war. He teaches us what to say. He teaches us how to respond. He teaches us. Lord, we, we are so thankful for that. And we just ask that you'll continue to edify this church here. Continue to help us to grow spiritually. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.